Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi, I'm Rob from RobNonPhoto.com, and in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about, excuse me, quite a few different things. Um, the title of the podcast is Hello Chromecast, so I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll talk a little bit about uh, the MG5550 Canon printer uh, I got recently, which I might have discussed on the last podcast, I'm not quite sure. Um, I've downloaded Lightroom 5, and I've started playing with that, and um, I'll do some... I'll do some questions at the end. Now, if you happen to be watching this live on Google Plus or YouTube right now, I have also enabled the questions and answer uh, app or widgets, which means that I think you can type questions into a box and they might pop up. So if you are watching live, then feel free to do this. Now, unfortunately, I don't do SEL to a strict timescale, and so... uh, it's, it's a bit random really, it just so happens that Suzanne and Oliver have gone to the gym so I've got like a spare half an hour so I've quickly plugged in my webcam, plugged in my headset and I thought, I had some notes so I thought we'd, uh, I thought we'd go for it. So this is uh, SEL 232, it's for the 23rd of March 2014 and um, thanks for downloading or uh, watching on YouTube or you could even be watching, um, even be watching this, uh, watching this live. So Canon MG5550. Um, a couple of um, a few weeks ago, I kind of uh, Oliver needed a um, Oliver needed a uh, new. Pr- well, Oliver didn't need, really need a need, need a new printer. Um, we needed a new printer because our our old um, uh, our old Epson, which we've had for probably six or seven years now, was on its last legs. Um, it was you can get a color print out of it. In fact, you couldn't really get a black print out of it. It's sort of printed in this off pink hue but it had done its work and I thought you know it's time to really uh, get another one and printers are quite reasonably priced and I had a budget of about £100 um, including paper and inks and things so I went through Amazon and also they had to be somewhere local that had it in stock um, so after going through Amazon and everything, and oh, it had to be a Canon one as well. It's a bit of a Canon fanboy. And while I was at Jessup's, we played around with quite a few for the cheaper Canon inkjet printers. I was very impressed with the results that came out of them. The photos were on a par with the stuff we would get from our uh, lab. Um, so anyway, I decided on the MG5550, uh, which is a three-in-one, so it's a scanner and a copier as well mainly because it was fairly cheap it was about 80 pounds i think i paid for it argos happened to have it in stock um and it got plenty of good reviews for picture quality so i thought brilliant so we give it a go so went down to argos bought this thing home and it's pretty massive (laughs) um there's a review on the youtube channel where you can kind of see it in action but i've been really very very impressed indeed the the prints you get out of it um 
I've done 6x4s, 5x7s and A4s all on proper photo paper and they're amazing. The colours are so good, the contrast is great and um, it's a really nice printer. And it's kind of kicked me back into producing hard copies of what kind of what I do because I've kind of slipped out of it uh, doing doing many prints recently. And also it's kind of reinvigorated I think all of our photos as well because it's it's all right sharing photos on your screen isn't it and uh, looking at them but it's another thing all in, entirely to look through your old photos of the kids and your family or you know maybe landscapes and things you've done and then sharing them um, handing them around and I've been very uh, yeah really impressed with it it's not cheap um, in the review that I did on YouTube I kind of worked out the costs for for an A4 print and I think they came out at about it was about £1.80 I think for each A4 print if you take into account the cost of the paper and the cost of the of the ink uh, and how many sort of sheets you get out of your average um, your average ink cartridge which is slightly more expensive than ordering A4 prints online um, so but I think you know that's fair I mean it just means that you the, the 6x4s and the 7x5s are pretty cheap to make so you know you, you would do your proofing on your 6x4s or your 5x7s and then when you want a, want a nice big print you then stick the A4 paper in so yeah I've been very pleased with the MG5550 and I guess that probably goes for any of the, the Canon entry level uh, printers very very good indeed really good uh, photo quality you get out of them um, I've still been playing with my HTC One Max um, Android smartphone that I picked up um, not that long ago that the guys at HTC were, were kind enough to uh, send me and I have to say I've really fallen in, lo fallen in love with the uh, the form factor if you're ever in doubt about whether you would enjoy a large phone like the HTC One Max or uh, the Galaxy Note 2 or Galaxy Note 3 or I think Sony do a bigger one don't they and LG do a bigger one as well D you know don't worry about it although they can see a bit seem a bit hefty at first once you get into them and you start to really enjoy the the brightness and the uh, ease of use of having a really big screen I can't really go back to a smaller phone um, it, they are a lot more awkward to use when it comes to taking photographs with them because you've got this big heavy clunky thing and it's difficult to do things in, with one hand but for looking at photos um, and editing the photos once you've taken them and generally consuming stuff on the internet um, fantastic, a fantastic phone, really really love it uh, HTC One Max um, and kind of um, wouldn't go back to a smaller phone now I mean, I say in that I'm kind of within two minds, you know, whether you, you know, you go for something big like the HTC One Max or, or a Ga Galaxy Note or you just go sod it and you go really small um, like, I say really small, something like an iPhone really um, but for the, for now, I think the the form factor of the HTC One Max, the phablet, I just I just think it's fantastic, um, real nice bit of kit. Now, um, over on the Flickr photo group, there's been um, a uh, an ongoing photo assignment on um, street photography for amateur photographer of the year. Now, I know not that many people have put their photos <laughs> into it. In fact, I think I'm probably the only one who did. And I would hate to think that people got put off thinking it was a competition, you know, that you had to enter Amateur Photographer of the Year. All it was really was that, um, if you haven't listened to last podcast, every year there's a British magazine called Amateur Photographer and they run a competition. 
Amateur Photographer of the Year. Um, and you can win like fantastic prizes. I think Olympus is sponsoring this year, so there's lots of prizes. And I thought this year, perhaps, well, I'm going to have a crack at it, you know, if even if it's only just to get me out there shooting different subjects. And so what I thought might be quite an idea would be for the SEL Photography Podcast stroke RobinUnphoto.com kind of Flickr group would be for the monthly assignments I know they've probably been every two or every three months but to do monthly assignments again and they would mirror what the APOI would be. Now the good thing about Amateur Photographer of the Year is that it's open to anybody in the world as long as you're an amateur photographer. The only people who can't enter are professionals um, so it doesn't matter if you're in America, if you're in Russia if you're in um, in Africa, anyway, you can enter. Or all that means is, if you were to win one of the rounds, one of the monthly rounds, or even the year thing, just means that you might have to pay customs, might have to pay duty on any prizes there that you would get um, to do it that way. So, um, yeah, uh, the next one is, he says, having a look at his notes. The next one, which starts on the fifth of April officially, that I guess that's when they'll they'll put it on the website. Um, and run to the 25th of April is called Animal Planet and so what you've got to do is take a photo something to do with Animal Planet like pets or wildlife and then choose your best one and then by the 25th of April upload it to the uh, amateur photographer well what you do is you email it to them um, but if you go to I'll put a link on the show notes about all the rules now that round two Animal Planet isn't live yet so um, there's still time to submit uh, a street photography uh, photo as well but I'll put a link to that one and then the idea of the uh, assignment in the Flickr group is that you can post photos in there maybe not the photos you're going to submit to APOI but maybe ones that are similar or even if it's you don't want to enter you just want to use the photo assignments as an excuse to go out and shoot something maybe that you did have wouldn't have done then uh, go for it but I don't want anybody to feel pressured you know and not to take part because you've got to take part in the amateur photographer of the year competition I mean I'm not expecting to get anywhere but you know it's a little bit of fun and the great thing about APOI is that it's free as well there's so many f- photography competitions out there you have to pay an entry fee isn't there and you kind of get the feeling that perhaps they're a bit of a um, a bit of a money-making um, um, deal for for the people who were who are actually uh, actually running it. Okay, so next up is <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the amateur photography of the year uh, competition, I thought I'd talk about um, my kind of feeble attempts <laughs> at street photography, and I kind of did a couple of different. Uh, little mini photo walks when I had the time um, I did a, a photo walk down by Gosport Ferry which was quite um, interesting uh, to say the least um, I guess at heart I'm a little bit of a um, a little bit of a coward when it comes to street photography because it is quite intimidating because you kind of you kind of get it in your head the fact that you're going to go down and you're going to do your do your best, and you're going to be like Henri Cartier-Bresson, and you're going to be taking lots of pictures. Um, but then, when you actually get there, you think, "Oh, wait a minute! Um, I don't know whether I can. Um, I don't know whether I can actually do this. I feel a little bit nervous." <laughs> um, and that's how I felt because you kind of you're there. You've got your DSLR camera out of the bag, and there's all these people around, and people are looking at you funny. But in the end, I thought, right, sod it. I'm here to do a job. You know, I pretended I was like a uh, a um, 
a photographer a newspaper and my job today is to take street photos of people coming off the gospel ferry which i did um none of them are particularly good but the fact that i was there i all of these photos actually that, that i took um on this little photo walk and the one i did past St. vincent um i think that i'm too far away from from the subjects and even if i was using a zoom lens i get the feeling that i would be I would be too far away. I mean, there is one particular photo that I quite like, which is looking up Gosport High Street, and it's of somebody who's walking away from the camera, and there's nobody around them, and they look quite dejected. Well, they look like they've had a hard day at work, and they're on their way home. But I'm always a bit um, uh, aware of the fact that I think that it's... If you're doing street photography, people should be looking, but maybe not into the camera, but they should be looking in the camera's direction. They should be looking into the photo. I think if all your street photos of people are walking away or looking away, it's a bit, it's a bit cowardice, isn't it? And I feel that with uh, with that photo. So I did that one, and then I thought, then I had some so another day off. So I thought, right, I'm going to do another one where I walk down um, Brockhurst Road because uh, I've got one of my projects for 2014. Is a lot of them are based around. Um, roads and places and so I did that and I walked along and tried to get some street photography there but then it, but again with that one a lot of it it was I ended up taking photos of people across the road from me you know and I really felt that I wanted to be you know like Gary Winogrand style of uh, street photos where you're right in there amongst the people clicking away with your your Leica or your, your rangefinder and um using a wide angle lens but you're you're really very close indeed and they didn't really end up turning out like that so I was a little bit disappointed I did end up choosing one photo and uploading it um, and we'll see you know whether people like it or not I, I don't know on uh, amateur photography if I don't get anywhere I don't I, I don't really care at least I had a go and um, and it was uh, it was interesting anyway it got me doing something that I probably uh, probably wouldn't be doing um, gosh if you're watching this video on YouTube you'll probably see that it's gone incredibly bright because I was um, clever enough to play around with the settings on my webcam before I went into it and I've managed to basically put it into manual exposure mode and the problem with manual exposure mode is that this, all of a sudden it's gone incredibly bright and um, that's really done in the uh, the exposure there we go I've put it back into automatic mode the reason why I was doing this is and I tell you what if anybody out there has got a um, Logitech C920 webcam I've had a few problems with it since I got it I mean I mean it takes beautiful beautiful images um, but if you're running at high def, high def like 720 or 1080p, you definitely get um, lag between the audio and the video. And when I've recorded lots of video, um, after a few minutes, you, the, the lips and the video are out of sync. So that was a bit disappointing. But the kind of the way I got around it was by turning off all of the auto functions, uh, making sure that I was uh, recording lossless video and virtually lossless audio as well. That seems to have sorted sorted it out. But today, when I was recording the uh, podcast, I'm always trying to change my workflow when it comes to recording videos in the podcast, trying to make it easy so I can just set up and record so I can do them more often. And so I've set up in our um, in our front room 
just by the by the window to, so I don't have to set up my light with my umbrella with the diffuser on because the problem as well is when I set up my light with my diffuser with my umbrella when I'm using halogen light it's not a very it, although you can white balance it sort of and get it so it's not orange I don't think halogen bulbs so they don't kick out the full spectrum so even though you balance the light it's still very flat um, so I wanted more of a natural light and I actually went out yesterday and bought down the range a natural light bulb a uh, hundred watt bulb um, just to use as kind of a fill and I th then I thought well today I thought well I'll tell you what for a quick thing I'll set up in the front room in the lounge and I'll record the video there and the podcast there um, and then I went through my normal thing of setting up the webcam putting it on manual mode and then all of a sudden of course the light changed because I am relying on natural light and then it blew out the, the video so what I've done is I've flicked back to automatic control so it should be interesting to see what happens um, uh, you know and I welcome feedback when you watch the videos on YouTube or Google Plus you know if you think it's the quality's rubbish you know say so you know and um, I'll do my best to to improve it next time so what's up next well we were going to be looking at he says looking at his notes again oh yeah this was something I wanted to tell you as well we went to visit um, Valentino the grandson um, and Mel uh, down in um, Hayward Teeth um, a few days ago and I had a what I thought was an error with my camera when in fact it wasn't and this might be might ring some bells with people who've had this before or something to look out for people who haven't so I had my Canon 600D with the 18-55 and the 55-250 IS lenses on it and I was taking lots of pictures of Valentino as he was zooming around on his scooter and he was whizzing backwards and forwards and so what I did was I did something which I don't normally do which was I, f I uh, flicked the AF mode to servo so it would track Valentino as he, as he was moving around and so we would be in focus when I took the pictures so, yeah it seemed to work great, fabulous um, it would track him as he was coming towards me and everything however later on in the day he was sitting on the settee sitting on the couch taking some photos and I thought ah right I'll take some pictures of him um, went to use my camera and I thought it was broken because I wasn't getting the AF beep you know when you press the button halfway down on your on the shutter release and it goes beep and then you take the picture it wasn't beeping, I thought oh but the AF on my camera is broken so I switched the AF to it was hunting inside and out and it seemed to be going into focus but I wasn't, wasn't getting a beep so I thought oh so I put the excuse me put the lenses into manual focus mode and I was getting the beep and I was like oh gosh so I took the 18-55 to lens off put the 55-250 to and it was doing the same thing I thought oh no my camera body's broken the autofocus has broken so I, stand, so I was like a bit gutted I was like, oh. then all of a sudden I thought well I tell you what why don't I look through all the settings and make sure I haven't set anything up and then I went through the wife the wife checklist which is you know you check your white balance you check your ISO you check your focus and at that point I realized I was still in servo focus mode and in servo focus mode on the 600D when you press the heart but shutter button halfway down it does lock focus but it doesn't beep to tell you it does it just then tracks your subject so as soon as I put the autofocus mode back to single point um, yeah, normal sort of thing beep it came back and I breathed a sigh of relief so um, so yeah so if you're ever out there and you think your autofocus is broken just check you're not in servo uh, mode because you might find uh, that you are um, right Google Chromecast I tell you what it's, there's not many times that I'm pretty close to getting a exclusive on something but 
um, I've been kind of been looking out for the uh, Google Chromecast for quite a while now um, because I know it's been released in the States for a long time and it's something that kind of appeals to me because uh, it's basically a streaming media dongle and ever since we've gone with the Virgin uh, high-speed broadband you know now we've got like Netflix we've got the Wii streaming video we've got a Roku box upstairs I'm kind of kind of into this and um, <laughs> I guess what's really uh, appeals to me as well is the fact that it's only £30 which you know is nothing a Roku book is £80, £100 um, and so it came out in the UK about two days ago so I was zipped down to Curry's or PC World one of the two and picked one up and I tell you what it is brilliant if you haven't got one already and you've got a spare HDMI port in your any of your tellies uh, get at least one I think when we get paid I'm probably going to get another one for our HDTV upstairs basically it enables you to cast, they call it, but it enables you to put anything that's on your laptop or your computer onto your television screen. Okay, so let's say you're watching a YouTube video, you can click click the Chromecast button and bink, it appears on your TV, which is really cool, isn't it? Um, if you want to um, look at a web page, it will it will put the whole web page up on your TV. Um, and I never really knew this, but if you open up a new browser in Chrome uh, on your laptop or your computer, if you type Control O, you can then open files. And so what you do is if you then open a, a movie file, so say something you've downloaded or you've ripped onto your computer, that uh, Chrome, the web browser, will then play that, and then you can transmit that transmit that straight to your TV. Okay. Now also things like um, in the in the UK we have things like uh, ITV player. And Channel 4 Player, which is sort of, uh, TV catch-up services, but there isn't an app for them on the Roku or the Nintendo Wii or anything. But because you can transmit a whole um, tab from your browser, if you can, means you can watch ITV Player on your TV. <laughs> so this is really good stuff. And also, it will also transmit your whole desktop view. So whatever you're looking at on your computer, it will throw that across to your TV. So it's like a super HDMI wireless lead at its most basic but it's also superb for watching Netflix and YouTube and BBC iPlayer at HD and I've been very very impressed indeed now I think you've got to have a pretty fast internet connection for it to work properly and I think what happens is the Chromecast kind of creates its own little Wi-Fi network that everybody logs on to um, but it's very easy incredibly easy to set up and um, yeah, very, very impressed indeed. So impressed that I'm definitely going to buy more and have them plugged into the back of as many TVs as we've got. I mean, we've just put a little television that we've had up in the loft in the kitchen so Suzanne or I could watch it while we're cooking. Um, and it's got a HDMI lead. But that would be perfect because, to say you're doing a recipe and you want to look at it on YouTube, all you do is, like, on your phone, you're on YouTube and you just hit the cast button and it'll ask you which Chromecast you want to send the video to. And it's not really sending it, it's just giving it the URL to download it. And that would work. I mean, how, how cool is that? So, really cheap, works really well. If you've got a fast internet connection and a spare HDMI port, buy one. I mean, for £30, it's worth playing around with. And I'm damn sure you're going to enjoy it. And uh, you're probably going to end up buying more like um, I'm going to. Um, Lightroom 5, yes. So, it's, you know, people 
may question uh, me because with if you ask me uh, what, what do I shoot in and what do I edit with I'm quite basic in the fact that you know I shoot in uh, JPEG and I edit my photos in mostly in Google's free Picasa editing software um, I shoot JPEGs because they're they're fairly small they're fairly fast um, I think with SLRs and with uh, most compact cameras the JPEGs you get are pretty damn good anyway they really are fantastic quality and the cameras are very, very good to get the exposure correct and I think that sometimes shooting with RAW you're just introducing another level of um, making something a little bit more complicated than it needs to be but I can understand why people shoot with RAW if you're professional or you know you want that extra detail and I like Picasa because it's free uh, it's very very fast you can run Picasa on a old laptop or an old desktop and it will run fine and Picasa is great because it helps you organize your photos it's got things like facial recognition tagging geotagging all this sort of stuff and it has some really good basic uh, editing uh, things on it you can do 99% of the stuff you want to do with a photo in Picasa and um, but if you need to do things some things like specific cloning out of large areas then I would then do a round trip into um, into Photoshop CS3 I think I've got or CS2 um, or HDRs in Photomatics um, or if I wanted to use uh, say Nick Silver FX Pro I would then go into Photoshop um, but I'm well aware that lots of people who probably listen to this podcast or watch the videos on YouTube lots of you guys and girls probably use Lightroom and although <laughs> Um, lots of people have kind of poo-pooed the fact that you can now you now have to we don't have to but you can subscribe to Adobe to get a copy of Lightroom and a copy of Photoshop they've got this like amazing deal on at the moment I think it's pretty amazing where you can get you can get Lightroom and Photoshop together for £8.78p a month that's in the UK and I think it's $9.99 in America so you can have the latest version of Lightroom and the latest version of Photoshop on your laptop for £8.78 a month and you might, I know over time that adds up and you could just buy Lightroom but Photoshop is well expensive isn't it it's about £600-£700 to actually buy it or it used to be when you could buy it and I think for £8.78 that, that's really really good and I know there's all the arguments about the fact that well what happens when they increase the price or you know they update the software and your computer's too slow to run it properly and all this sort of stuff uh, but I thought for £8.78p a month it's worth giving it a go plus Adobe do free 30-day trials so I'm going to, at the moment I'm doing the, the free 30-day trial of Lightroom giving it a, a, a go just to see how I get on with it and I think I'll probably use it in addition to Picasa and um, I mean, if I do go for it, obviously I'll be using the latest version of Photoshop as well, as long as it doesn't bog down my my basic laptop too much. But my initial impressions are is that, that it seems pretty good. Bits, very, very. It's like a, a slower, more complicated version of Picasa. <laughs> and I guess like you, Lightroom users out there are probably going, "What? What's he talking about?" But no, honestly, if you if you haven't tried Picasa already, download it and give it a go. You'll probably be very impressed about what it can do and how fast it works as well. But I've been scouring the internet on hints and tips on how to speed Picasa up, speed Lightroom 5 up. So with things like creating one-to-one -one previews, um, doing uh, solo mode on the panels, 
um, all the all these sorts of things. And it seems to be speeding up pretty well. Um, and the editing options seem pretty good as well. It seems you can uh, you make your photos pop a lot easier in uh, in Lightroom. But then again, you've also got the problem that you can always go too far as well. And I like the fact that it's got quite a few black and white options for for converting. And you can always round trip into Photoshop. Or um, luckily enough, I've still got my old download of um, Silver Effects Pro from version one from years ago that yeah you know, and SilverX Pro I think is is one of the best black and white converting softwares around and that actually came with a Lightroom plugin and that still works as well. It's a it's a round tripper so what happens it exports the photo to it, you do your stuff on, then you go back to Lightroom and it's kind of permanently baked in. Um, but that looks uh, really good. So I'm looking forward to playing with Lightroom over the next month or so and then after thirty days if I really like it then I'll go for it and I'll um I'll become a subscriber and then get Photoshop downloaded as well. Um, but also, what that will mean is that I'll be able to do some, hopefully, do some some good videos for people. If you're a little bit unsure about some of the features, and I think I'll probably do videos like um, uh, Lightroom for the Picasso photographer. So you know, so if you're used to Picasso and you're thinking about dipping your toe into the Adobe world, then um, I'll do you know the things you should look at, the things that are different, how you organise your files. Um, where things are is probably the biggest thing so if anybody out there has got some hints and tips actually on Lightroom and how to use it and a good workflow as well for editing, editing your photos and good settings then you know by all means email me scalesbridge.gmail.com I'd really appreciate some help um, and that would go a long way a long way indeed now just got a few questions just to finish off the podcast um, the first one is from Eunice Juni and it's relation in relation to the Zorky 4K rangefinder and she says how do you set the film speed on the Zorky 4K rangefinder 35 mm film camera well the answer to that Eunice is that you don't it's a fully manual camera um, so there's no need for it to have a film speed uh, what you do is you use a light meter with it and you put the film speed into your light meter um, you measure the light, that will then tell you your aperture and your shutter speed, you wind the Zorky on, remember never change the shutter speed without it being wound on and then you take your picture or if you don't have a light, light meter you can always use the Sunny 16 rule and so with the Sunny 16 rule it's very simple, all you do is you you know your film speed, so let's say your, your film speed is 400 um, if you're out and about on a sunny day in direct sunlight then uh, your setting will be um, one over your film speed, so your shutter speed will be a four hundredth of a second, or as near to that as you can get, and your aperture will be f16. And then all you do, if it's a little bit darker, you go to f8, say it's a little bit cloudy, or let's say it's really cloudy, then you might go to f4, or you could start doubling your film speed, and or if it got even brighter, you know, say you were on a by a white wall or something like that, then you know you could adjust it the other way as well. So that's nice and easy. And then uh, in relation to Rudd putting uh, M42 lenses on a Canon DSLR, Robo Cian says, can you link to your adapter? All oh, right, because I did a video on it. Um, I, I got it years ago, so I couldn't really tell you which one it was now. But if you just search eBay for an M42 adapter, M42 EF adapter, there's loads on there. I just wouldn't bother with any of the um, ones with AF confirm on. And then BMJ asks... Rob, my coking set looks like yours, but is the P series. My circular polarized filter with the ridged edges like yours won't fit. Does this mean these are only made for the A lenses, A series? 
My polarizer has no markings on it. I only came in the dark square plastic box. Not sure whose make it is, but looks like yours. Any advice on what to do? Um, well, I mean, Coking did or do. I don't know if they still make them or not. They did the P and the A series systems. The A for the smaller lenses and the P for the big professional lenses. Um, and as far as I'm aware, there isn't an adapter for you to use either on or. Um, but I mean, if you go on eBay, there's lots of you know. If you've got a P system, like a P holder and, and other P filters, then there's P polarizers on there. Um, remember, go for a circular polarizer. But saying that, on my old Coking A system, I had a linear polarizer, and that seemed to work okay. But sometimes it can it can mess around with the focusing or the uh, exposure in your camera. Um, or similarly, if you've got a um, a P polarizer then buy, buy a p bracket or if you've got a p bracket buy a p polarizer um if you want to um they're great things to play around with and they're a real cheap way of getting into um cheap way of getting into uh, polarizers and graduated filters where you can do everything in camera rather than uh, on the outside as well so you haven't checked out co coking filters often a good place to find them is if you're down the car boot sale and some there's some old camera bags there were some old cameras you might not want the cameras but you might want some of the accessories because loads of people used to buy coking stuff because they used to do the graduated filters so you could darken the sky easier so uh, so there we go so thanks for those questions they're really good remember you can email me scalespeed at gmail.com or put the questions in comments underneath the videos on youtube or on the website as well well that's it from me thanks to everybody for taking part in the Flickr photo group and putting their photos in there it's, remember it's free to join there's some great work in there i found it inspirational every time i visit um, thanks everybody for commenting on the blog over at robnonphoto.com so i just have a quick drink Thank you very much for everybody who's put in reviews on iTunes. If you've got a spare five minutes, open up iTunes, find the SEL Photography Podcast and put a little few words on it or, you know, put some stars on it. That would be fantastic. Or if you use any other software as well, that you de uh, Android systems. I don't know if we're on Stitcher at the moment. I think we're on Stitcher for the desktop, but I don't think we're on... I couldn't find us on mobile Stitcher. But if you see us, if you find us with whatever aggregator you do, if there's a way of adding a review or adding some stars or a thumbs up or something, please add them. Um, it really does help to get more... Um, get more listeners and the more listeners and readers um, and viewers I have it gives me more clout with um, manufacturers to get stuff to review to talk about so for example um, hopefully fingers crossed touch wood over the next couple of weeks I may be getting some some stuff for color management um, off uh, a well-known uh, color management software because color photography is definitely not my strong point you might argue that black and white isn't either um, but I struggle with color I tend to either go too far and make the colors all unrealistic like in HDRs kind of thing or I don't go far enough and um, they look washed out and if you want to make your photos your color photos really really pop one of the best ways to do it is to make sure your your color especially things like skin tone is spot-on and and so I'm um, hopefully I'll be getting um, some some kit to play around with so I can then talk about it and tell you guys and girls which is the stuff that's worth spending your money on and the reason I can do that is because uh, when I go to these companies and ask them for stuff or they contact me I can say well look I've got this many thousand subscribers I've got this many views on YouTube's I've got this many people look at my stuff um, you know if you send me some stuff and I talk about it then people are going to know 
know more about your products. So thanks for everybody um, for, for getting involved in all the different aspects of SCL and RobNumphoto.com. Thanks to Everyday Jones, who do the intro and outro music that you listen to on the podcast, not on the YouTube stuff, though. Um, and I guess um, thanks to you for downloading and listening to the podcast. Um, my name's Rob from RobNumphoto.com, and um, hopefully, pretty soon, I'll see you on Flickr. Thank you.